This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt, I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello everyone. A little bit later, I'm going to be talking to Gary Marshall, who is a spokesman for Best for Britain. He's going to be telling us all about that campaign group and what you guys could do to get involved. Um, and then we will crown a Brexiteer of the week, as usual, Steve. Yes, we will. Are you well? There are many of them this are week. Are there? Yes, there are. Fantastic. How have you been keeping? Uh, I've been good, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've Did been you on my in... travels. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Have you been, been away. Been Sweden, been Denmark, been very France. Nice. Very nice, very nice. But now back in the back, thick back, back with the bang, bang, Brexit. bang. Yeah, I was so excited. I rushed back because I heard Dominic Raab was going to Dominic Raab. You love saying his name, I don't do. you? Um, <laughs> I heard he was going to reveal all about <laughs> okay, about a No Deal Brexit, standing by the fire. Yeah, standing by the fire. <laughs> um, and he was going to reveal all, and then he didn't really reveal very much, did he? Well, but I mean, business and, and agriculture and a few others are saying there's not enough detail here. You promised clarity and there's not enough. Yes. There is some detail, though. There there some detail. Reading, does some so, detail. So what, what are these things called that, he, that he's released? The technical, technical impact assessments, I think. Right, okay. Something like that. Basically, some reports, a bit like you used to do when you were at sixth form. Yeah. About the what, tears. What might happen. Tears before yeah. bedtime yeah. with Dominic Raab. <laughs> what might happen if... There is a no-deal Brexit, which, of course, we must remember, um, quite a lot of hard Brexiteers are pushing for that. That's their yeah. chosen. Yeah, it is. That's yeah. their chosen route. So let's go th- through a few. Cross-border payments would, n- would no longer be covered by a surcharging ban. What? Huh? That was. I don't remember huh? seeing that on the on the old red bus. But do we know what it means? No. The man on the street probably goes, "Oh, what? I don't care about that." That means every time you pay with your card, 
they can charge you that charge you used oh, to get. Oh, the charge is yeah. back, brilliant. They're back. Yeah, good, yeah. So, and they, good, they yeah. were outlawed in 2015 under EU law. Yes. So they could have had that on the side of the bus, couldn't they? Yeah, they could have done, yeah. Um, the, the, yeah, the card changes were banned uh, in January. Oh, actually, they were banned in January. They were outlawed in 2015. Oh, right, so okay. We, but, so yeah, I think but we had until this I year. I think most implement retailers them. implemented them fairly quickly. Yeah. But in 2015, it cost Britons an extra... £166 million. Pounds. Brilliant. So okay. that's good news. Yeah, great. I'm looking forward to them coming back. Um, lending and deposit services, insurance and annuities. I can never say that word. Annuities. Annuities. You couldn't say it then. Uh, no. So that's, again, in simple terms, that's the sort of stuff that you rely on for your regular um, pensions, pay- yeah, yeah. pensions payments. All that's going to get much better under a no-deal Brexit, yeah? Uh, no. Oh. Expats, in fact, probably won't get any of that. Yeah, they're not going to get nah, any pension just, or anything just have like to get that. A job. All right, good. Yeah, yeah. So that's all right. Well, that's shopping fine, online. There's shopping lots of online. Opportunities, isn't there, for the expats? Oh, the absolutely. Expat don't pensioners. Speak, don't speak Spanish. Eighty. They could get out and get a job on your bike. Uncle, what's he called? <laughs> on your moped, yeah. mobility scooter. <laughs> um, do you shop online? I've I've been known to shop online. Yeah. Do you anything you earn today? You bought online. Uh, I, th- I think did you I buy your glasses the- online. I did buy my glasses online. That's go. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, done. so you won't be able to see if you didn't shop online. No, not quite as critical as that. Maybe no, but I do. I shop online all the time. Yeah, well, I can see. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. On summers, <laughs> <laughs> come in very discreet boxes yeah, nowadays. They do, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> well, next time I I do an order for on summers. Yeah. Gonna, well, after can you Brexit. get me some glasses as well? <laughs> it's going to cost me more. Okay. Because the UK Why? will no longer... Parcels arriving in the UK yeah. are no longer liable for low-value consignment relief. One of my favourite of all the reliefs. All the reliefs, yeah. It's, it's my ju- second favourite. Well, <laughs> it's my second favourite um, after comic. Yeah, really. no, after, yes, that's right. Um, and uh, so that, that's on that. So, it, basically, when you go shop online, it's going to cost you more. If it's coming from the EU. Oh, okay, yeah. Good, so that's great. good news as well. That's brilliant, yeah. This is going really well. I like well. this detail on the Irish border that it really stood out to me. This cool heads will so, prevail. The, <laughs> that was what he said, wasn't it? How about the Irish border? Cool heads will prevail. <laughs> yeah, it well, will be all right. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, he, he advised firms trading across the border were told to consider whether you need advice from the Irish government. Oh, fine, yeah. Go and ask them. Yeah, ask them, not Go me. Go and ask them. I don't know. Go on. Yeah. I'd say what, there is going to be a jobs boom, though, isn't there, for in the... Uh, um, smugglers. smugglers. Uh, smugglers, yeah. So the government uh, were being made to recruit an extra 9,000 staff in the civil service. Well, I thought it was going to be a bonfire of red tape and regulation. You'd think always. so, wouldn't you? But 9,000 jobs in the civil service to deal with Brexit. Job for life, you know. I might start applying for some of these jobs. Yeah, it's quite good. So do you think you need a crap podcast doing? Brexit almost, podcast. Almost the civil service there. Brexit podcast. <sighs> right, I'm going to pitch that in a minute. 7,000 are currently working on preparations for breakfast. 7,000 people. 7,000 people, yeah, and we want another 9,000. Great, isn't it? Um, products, uh, th- now this, this one, yeah, so uh, cigarette, this is a funny one actually. So you have cigarette packets. Yeah. Um, we've both been known to like the old cigarette now and then. You, well, you quit some time ago. I you, did, yes, yeah. that's true. Um But in the past. You used Many to like years ago, yes, yes. So you know they've got pictures on them now of dead yes. people. 
And yes, they the, have. The one I there's really... one with a man who looks a bit like Nigel Farage, isn't there? Is there? Yeah, there is. Yeah, I th- yeah, yeah. I, th- I think he's got a goiter or something like so that. So when you're outside in the pub, you yeah. know, when you have a, you have a fag outside, we do like swap season collects with us. Yeah. So I must need that one. Yeah, yeah, got, got, got that one. Got, I've got, got the diseased lungs, and I've got the eyeball, the diseased <laughs> eyeball. I've got that <laughs> shiny. <laughs> Recent laugh, but we can't use those pictures anymore after Why not? Brexit because we don't own the copyright. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to become r- rarities in the in the cigarette. They really will be. They'll do for fortune. Bring on Brexit! We're a millionaire. Um, and th- this now this is interesting as well. The um, organic food producers, yes, uh, won't be able to export to the European Union in the event of a no deal Brexit. Blimey. <laughs> because they will need organics an organic certification body approved by the European Commission to have approved their stuff. Right, right. It's just, I mean, it does sound fairly bonkers, but so they can apply for that and they can get it. Yeah, but it takes nine months. So if you produce organic food, you've got to basically prepare to have nine months off next year. Okay. It'll be all right. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll yeah, be yeah. fine. Stockpile it all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, there's a similar problem for, for medicine. Because <laughs> oh, well, this was a good. This was good. I, I like this one. Yeah. The, the, so products have to go through a national assessment before they receive market authorization. This is in the UK. Yes. So that all will have to happen again yes. for stuff that hasn't been authorized here, even though we've been yeah, using yeah. it. I imagine for. Uh, and then he said, and then he was he was sort of asked, wasn't he? Well, do you think the EU will just accept our medicines without any checks? Yeah. And he went, Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it should be okay. Next question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool you, heads will prevail. Cool heads will prevail. It's so, very good. There was a lot of he was very hopeful about a number of things happening, wasn't there? Lots of hope. hope. And um, hope and all delivered in his. The sort of style of a Blue Peter presenter just gently telling the kids that one of the pets has died. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm afraid the tortoise has had to be put down, kids. Oh, you may remember little Tiddles. Yeah, exactly. Been with us for some time now. But, but just let's have a Sadly. look back at his magic memories. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what... Oh, do you reckon that's going to be a Brexit night? Let's have a look back at some happy times we had inside the EU. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> He's a very clammy man as well, isn't he, Rob? It was mentioned on social media. He's wasn't a clammy, it? clammy man. Yeah, but um, then it's, it, it, it is it is clammy outside. Well, it is. It's cl- especially when especially when you're saying things like the UK will be better off outside the EU in any scenario. That's yeah. just a lie, isn't it? It's, I mean, that's nonsense. It's just, isn't it? it's just why you know. So, so a couple of questions yes. that I have. Go on. Is one is it a, one about babies again? It's not, is it? We've been over this. It's not, but after Brexit, (laughs) if if an EU mummy and a UK daddy have a special cuddle, then no. Um, So, firstly, why are they telling us, and why aren't they telling us everything? So, because they, I mean, all right, business say there's not enough detail here. I can understand that, but there's enough to get me a bit worried. Yeah. I mean, we knew all this, but on the, you know... Well, it's all written the down cold, now, hard it? light of day. And it is worrying. Yeah. There seems um, to be an awful lot of red tape. So I think they're not telling us that... They've not, not told us this before, because it is all rather worrying. Yeah, but do you think they want to worry us now? This is my take on this. I'm asking questions that I have my own answer to, actually. Yes, go on. I think that 
what they're trying to do and what they've been trying to do since since recess yes. was build up this fear of a no deal. So I don't think the Chequers agreement. Yes, yeah. I think that's right. Because yeah. I think they want the public to go, oh my God, get behind the Chequers agreement, get behind Theresa May. Well, when you've got half of the government, and, and you know, look, you've got you've got Dominic Raab to a certain extent saying Dominic Raab saying the UK will be better off outside the EU in any scenario, which clearly includes the no deal. So the EU will be better. The UK will be better off outside the EU in a no deal scenario. But, you know, that's an extraordinary thing for anybody to say. Of course, it won't be better off. It's just a blatant um, lie, isn't it? That I mean, it's just. Ridiculous. But yes, they are trying to counter this this mantra that no deal, WTO terms, will be um, will be in any anything other than a, a, a nightmare. But also tell tell the EU how dreadful it was going to be for them. Well, yeah, but I think the EU is this clever. Well, is this clever, or is it, or is it too clever, or is it stupid, or should we just? I'll go home. Well, I mean, look, for people's I, I, vote. look, but well, I think yes, I think we should have. Um, but I think it's uh, well, I think it's a in- sign of increasing desperation, isn't it? There mm. is, and, and you know, no matter what nice things Barnier said this week about trying to find extraordinary solutions, you know, the, the EU are standing reasonably strongly with yeah. this, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. And, and really you know, they've not really budged. We everybody knew that they wouldn't really budge, apart from the the Brexiteers who said that this would be really easy, and who are now trying to sell, you know, the, this this solution. So it is a, I, th- I think they are also trying to, you know, they're also trying to set up the idea that if there is a no deal, it will be the fault of the of the um, the EU, and it'll be nothing yeah. to do with them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it's really is quite worrying. The, the, remember the bonfire of red tape was something that led some and. Boris banged on about during the campaign, wasn't it? The referendum campaign. And now we've seen that there will be even more red tape yeah. to go through after yeah, this. Yeah. Expensive red tape. He comes out and says, we're not going to be... You know, he laughed, at, didn't he, at the start of this. Oh, stockpiling food. <laughs> and then he says that we're going to have to have an emergency medicines buffer stock scheme. And then he said the BLT will be safe because, because we produce half the food that we eat anyway. So... Well, be, well, like, it'll be great in January, won't it, with the traditional British January lettuce <laughs> and the British January tomato. I'm really looking forward to that. Well, I like a BLT. Yeah. But I don't want it every meal. No, not particularly. But it's, it's fine, you won't get it half the year. Oh, so it'd just be bacon. It'd just be B. So it's a B. <laughs> yeah. so, oh, so of October to March. Yeah. B? Oh, it's a B. B. Yeah. It's a B for me. Yeah, that's right. And then maybe add the L and T. Maybe you could just have LT. Or you could just have L. You could just have T. Yes. Or you could just have a BT. A BT. Or a TB. Or a, yeah, you could, yeah. The reaction was fairly furious to this, actually. Um, what was the right. reaction to the, the BLT or the, the, or the whole or thing? The whole the BLT raw. the BLT reaction was quite funny actually on Twitter. It's worth checking out. What did they say about it? What um, the there were lots jokes? of there were lots of things about um, what you know what about other food stuff. In fact, we've done a hilarious story on the New European website all oh, about excellent. that reaction. So instead of me just telling you, Why go, you and go and see straight there to the NewEuropean.co.uk. Welsh First Minister Carwin Jones said. And I think he's nailed this actually. The writing is on the wall. It wasn't actually, it was in the It was in the documents. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah it's fine. Go no on. deal would be a catastrophic failure of the UK government that would cause huge disruption and serious long lasting economic and social damage to all parts of the UK. No deal is not an option. 
And the UK government's bluff is fooling no one. I think he's probably right. Yeah, I think he is probably he's right. Certainly, yeah. And they, meant, they might have scared the likes of me and you. We're a bit dim, but he's not scaring the EU. They're not mm. scaring the EU, are they? Keir Starmer, who we'll, we'll speak about Keir again in a minute, yes. said, it's thin on detail, thin on substance, and provided no answers to how ministers intend to mitigate the serious consequences of leaving the EU without an agreement. Um, he said, we're eight weeks out from the deadline of reaching an agreement. Ministers should be getting on with the job of negotiating a Brexit deal that works for Britain, not pushing vague documents that will convince no one. Well, well there you go. There you go. Um, That's quite nice to hear somebody from Labour talking sense about yeah. all this, isn't it? David Lammy. Someone else from Labour who oh, talk, talks sense quite a lot, Lammy. isn't he? Um, he said that they're playing Russian roulette with our economy. Well, they are. If, it, if they're serious about a no deal, then uh, really Yeah, they are, are yeah. Um, Francis O'Grady, uh, TUC General Secretary, said it would be devastating for working people. It would. But yes. then maybe Jeremy Corbyn should have gone and told the working people it would be devastating for them to be outside the EU. Well, The government cannot allow us to crash out. The Prime Minister has throw out her red lines, face down the extremists in her party and negotiate a deal that works for the whole of the UK. So it's gone really well then, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg as well. Yeah, he's reacted. To, oh, what's reacted he said? to this stuff before? Well, he hasn't reacted to this yet, but he sort of reacted before all this happened. Yes, in a leaked. This man's postman, right? He's, he's the leakiest man on earth. Every time he writes a letter, it, it's oh, it says number. It says Prime Minister Number Ten Danish in the envelope. But I'll drop it off around the corner at one 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 Buckingham Palace Road. The offices of the Daily Telegraph. Yes, and they, but then they, they open it. And Prince, it well, is it's, disgrace, really. It is difficult, isn't it? Because look at all the ways in which he... I mean, he, when he writes this, it has to be illuminated by monks, doesn't it, on vellum. <laughs> so any of those monks could be leaking it. Good, or, good or he may be going down to the... He may take a, you know, his, his, his sort of penny farthing down to the local <laughs> telegraph office and then dictate... Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it, because they've got a... Yeah, you know. Yeah. So uh, and then he's stop, stop. This is a, this will be a boon for the United Kingdom, Great Britain, Northern Ireland. Eighteenth century calling. <laughs> so yeah, he said that Theresa well, in I this letter. I don't care what he said. He's a f-ing idiot. Go in on. this in this letter, which was signed by sixty of his colleagues, sixty of his colleagues, DRG. Yeah. Um, it said she should. It, it said. <laughs> it said. She, I'm rubbish today, aren't I? It said she should chuck checkers. Chuck checkers? And believe in Britain. Chuck checkers and believe in Britain? Yeah. What's the likelihood that Jacob Rees-Mogg came up with that one? Well, um, it states the UK does not need to do a deal with the EU. No, yeah. Because of all those things, that clearly is just the tip of the iceberg. There is a big... That is the that is like a light rain shower compared to the actual truth of the shower that's going to arrive. Yeah, There's yeah. a no deal. Um, all the things that Dominic Ra has been saying. Um, he, he says uh, the government would be wrong to be fearful of Britain joining an independent future. Theresa May's Chequers proposal would shackle us to the EU forever. Forever. So well, there you go. There you go. So, yeah, well, with this typical grasp of reality. I mean, it's just incredibly foolish isn't it i think the you know the encouraging thing from all of this if you if you are clutching at straws is the fact that even people about like dominic raab and liam fox are now talking about a period of uh regulatory alignment to make sure that british people are shielded from the very worst of all of this yeah. and and 
uh, and it is people like Jacob Rees-Mogg and I mean uh, you know 60, uh, 60 he's, got, he's got the signature of 60 colleagues is that 60 members of the, the yeah. Conservative yeah. parliamentary well the last party? one was 60 as well well that's enough isn't it to, enough. so they only need 48 so, so why don't they just get on with it why don't they just get on with it just well, get on with having a leadership challenge. Bring it on. Bring it on. Bring it on. Wait for Boris to come back off holiday first, haven't they? Let's talk. Anyway. Let's go back to Kia. Sir yes. Kia. Sir Kia Starmer. Um, he said sensible Kia. Yeah, he said that nothing. He's like Mike, isn't he, from the young ones? The sort of sensible. <laughs> he just turns up. The sensible hey one in a house full of <laughs> fucking maniacs. Hey guys. <laughs> Anyway, Mike's, Mike's a star, isn't he? Yeah, well, he's yeah, the best yeah. character in the young yeah, ones, yeah. wasn't he? Mike, yeah. Best he, episode. Easily the funniest one. Best I can only remember the one with the, the university challenge. Oh, that's one, everyone's yeah. favourite episode. But that's the only one I can remember. What about the one where. Um, I think it might have even been the first episode where Madness just turned up middle of the oh, thing no. and play in the lounge. Right, I'd have forgotten about Madness while, being on it. While Vivian and uh, Rick are having a fight and. Yeah. Yeah. Are they? Can you? Are they watchable? Listen and tell me because I haven't seen. I don't know. I, I think I watched one a while ago and I didn't think it was very funny. Well, they've not not aged well. You uh, tell me they've not. But aged it had well. Motorhead on it, which was really yeah, good. Yeah. Doing the Ace of Spades, I believe. Yeah, which yeah, is I've what you would one. want Motorhead to be doing. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, um, Keir Starmer, Keir Starmer Mike, from wasn't the young in ones, the young yeah. ones. Yeah. Um, he, he said, and this has got a lot of Labour remainers chattering. Um, that a second referendum should not be taken off the table. No. Labour have said do. this, don't take things off the table. Don't take the BLT of off the table. Yeah. <laughs> this this Labour table must be crammed. Jam, what does he call? Rampacked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's interesting. Does he mean that? Does Jeremy mean that? Well, I think Keir Starmer is saying one thing and the rest of them are saying another thing. Barry Gardner certainly didn't think that, you know, did he? No, exactly. So, so look, at the, look at the ongoing farce of the Labour Party this week. Jeremy Corbyn asked whether we'll be better off six times, fails to answer the question on six occasions, asked the same question again the next day, very tetchy about it, again refuses to give a coherent answer. Keir Starmer has asked the question and comes out and says... If there is a no deal, or the kind of deal that Theresa May is offering, we would be worse off. That yeah. is the correct answer. Yeah. And yeah. there can be no other answer to that. because Corbyn has been asked the question again today and still won't Has he? Yeah. I noticed the, on one of them I saw him saying, this is a kind of a clever game that you in the media are doing <laughs> now, isn't it? And he is so tetchy, isn't he? And ah. his little magic grandpa status, is, is oh, he gets all hot under the collar. He's got, he's, got, um, he's got his own little plan for the media, hasn't he? He worked well, that's right, yeah. We'll all have to sing the state regulated song yeah. at the start <laughs> that's of right. day. <laughs> but he won't say we'll be worse off because he doesn't believe we'll be worse off because he thinks the EU is just a big club of capitalists yeah. and their cronies. And capitalism must be destroyed. Yes. Exactly. Someone's going to clip that out, aren't they, and put it all over the internet. Barry Gardner, though, <laughs> eh? I mean, so depressing. How is this man even employed? Never mind employed as an MP and in the shadow cabinet. Well, I've always, you know, I've always thought of Barry Gardner as a bit of an idiot. Yeah. And then this week, people have said, well, you're just he's becoming a useful idiot for the Tories. Yeah. But it is more sinister than being a useful idiot to say, you know, if we... Go ahead. If we don't go ahead with this, 
they, people will turn to more socially disruptive ways of expressing their views. You know, which is a, which is I'm afraid is not a warning, but it is it carries an implicit threat yeah. for those people. And the idea that people's right to change their minds should be stopped because there is a threat of violence from any area is is horrific. And mm. for Barry Gardner to put that on the table. Even Nigel Farage has, has, has disowned that as an idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, it's it's yet another thing. And, and Barry, what is Barry Gardner's job again? He's, he's the equivalent of Liam Fox, isn't he? Yeah. He's actually look, making Liam Fox look good but on a, on a how can he, man-to-man how can comparison. The, how can you shadow the International Trade Secretary? Because you can't go around and make, like, pretend deals. Yeah, like the deals you would make, like fantasy football, like fantasy deals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what he does? Does he meet other shadow trade secretaries? Maybe he does. Yeah. And they'll like go, oh, I'll buy lots of. Well, I can't do. I can't really do anything Mm. yet. I don't really, you know. I mean, it is is just uh, ridiculous. It's a real dog whistle that stuff about rioting. Yeah, not nice. It is not nice at all. Although I know he's, I know he said, "Oh, wasn't really talking about rioting." So, what were you talking about? Other more socially disruptive ways of expressing your views. What is, what does that Uh, mean if it's not rioting? Like mooning the Queen. Well, that would be wrong, bad, and wrong. Might say illegal. Anyway, what? So. It's, it's been another depressing week, hasn't it? In the, uh, in the, the it has. The, the only th- I tell you what cheered me up. Yeah. We work, we work late, don't we, on a Tuesday? Night? Yeah, we do work late on a Tuesday. So night, I didn't yeah. get back till didn't get into like nine. Yeah, put a TV on. Trumpageddon. Oh, Trumpageddon. Yeah, that was yeah, good, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? It was great. Yeah, yeah. Can you explain exactly what happened? Uh, Can anyone? Well, I, I know we keep saying surely this is this is the beginning of the end for Donald Trump, but surely this is the beginning of the end. The only thing for that Donald makes, Trump, the only thing it? worse than being in Brexit Britain is probably being in in America right now, isn't it? But at least they can get rid of him. Yeah, yeah. Well, like. it does feel like a significant week in 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 the attempts to get rid of Donald Trump. It I does. Mean, two things happened on Tuesday, didn't they? Well, yeah, I know a lot, quite a lot of things happened on Tuesday, but two two big things happened in America on Tuesday. Paul Manafort, who is uh, Trump's former campaign manager, uh, was found guilty on eight counts of tax fraud and bank fraud. And it's not really that significant, but it's quite embarrassing for Donald Trump. Yeah, and Donald um, Trump comp- continues to stand by him yeah, and yeah. his support. And there's another trial in September in Washington with Manafort, which is more about his sort of, you know, it's more about him failing to register as a paid lobbyist for Ukraine Um what would be really embarrassing for, for Trump out of that is that if those verdicts come in and they're guilty verdicts and they come in just before the midterm elections, which are on November the 6th, and then Trump goes to pardon him, which he's given every indication that he will, that's not going to play very well, I don't think, with America. The really significant thing which happened on Tuesday is Trump's lawyer, ex-lawyer Michael Cohen, yeah, he has done a plea deal, he pleaded guilty, going to eight charges breaking campaign law by paying off Stormy Daniels, breaking campaign law... And Karen off, McDougall. Yeah, yeah. Don't, remember, don't forget Karen. And, and breaking uh, campaign law by, by paying off the publishers of the National Enquirer, and these are to kill negative stories about uh, Donald Trump. And he said that he did this, these things, he committed these crimes at the direction of Donald Trump. And if Donald Trump wasn't the president, because there is a 
president precedent, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that you yeah. don't arrest the president. Yeah. He would be arrested if it was if he was anybody else. He'd have been arrested. And now we've got Cohen's. So that happened on Tuesday night, and it was great to watch, as you say. It was. Although if you turned over to Fox News, madness. They, it wasn't very significant at all. And yeah. in fact, this awful thing about this woman being killed by somebody who may or may not have been an illegal uh, immigrant is, is what they think was the big story of the day. And that is a really significant story, and it's awful. But it really wasn't the big story of the day. Um, he appeared on Fox and Friends, um, I think, probably the day after. Yes. Sort of Wednesday. Um, yes. And... Some of some of the comments are hilarious. Have you seen them? Well, I've seen him. I've seen them where he appeared on another program and sort of admitted to another federal crime, which is quite remarkable. <laughs> I didn't see him on Fox and Friends. So he said, um, he said the economy would tank if he was. Impeached. Oh yes. He said, um, if I ever got impeached, I think the market would crash. I think everyone would be very poor. <laughs> He said, numbers that you wouldn't believe in reverse. It's <laughs> great, isn't it? What on earth are you talking about? He's, a, he's amazing, <laughs> but he, isn't he? This is my favourite. He doubted, however, that it would ever happen, saying, I don't know how you can impeach somebody who's done a great job. <laughs> well, there you go, then. That's, so that's it. Like, to clear that up, really. Yeah, it, it has. Um, he, what he did say about Cohen was that he was just trying to... He was just making stuff up to get himself a better deal. Yeah. Um, oh, and and to be honest with you, I mean, Lanny Davis, who is Cohen's lawyer, has uh, has now said that obviously this plea deal that he's signed is, you know, it looks like this substantial jail time. He's going to lose yeah, yeah, all his yeah, money. Yeah, he's yeah, going yeah. to go to jail. It's going to go for, to jail for, for a long for, time for, for many many years. Mm. Um, and now he is saying, now we've signed this deal, we're prepared to say more about other things that that, um, that uh, Trump may have done. And he said that, you know, it's not just about the obvious possibility of a conspiracy to collude and corrupt the uh, 2016 election, which the Trump Tower meeting was all about, but also knowledge about the computer crime of hacking and whether or not Mr Trump knew ahead of time about that crime and whether he even cheered it on. Mm. So, I mean, these are really serious... Things and I don't think that <clears throat> we could talk about impeachment in a minute. I don't think that even if the Democrats win both of the houses of uh, Congress, the Senate and the House of Representatives, both of the bits of Congress in November, that he will be impeached if it was just on these two the Stormy Daniels it's thing and the other thing. Yeah, yeah. But this, the Russian stuff, the collusion, That's it. all of that, if he was impeached on that and that was proven, then. You know, I mean, because it, it's not uh, the, the president can lie to the people. Yeah, he's allowed to do that. Yeah, he is. Well, he's, an, he's, he's done yeah, it, and, and probably everyone has. Yeah, <laughs> every you know, but the, that's not an impeachable offence. No. So if he said I didn't pay him off, and then he did, yeah. Well, that's kind of tough look, isn't it? Well, it, to, so to be impeached, you need to, and this is where you know Clinton sort of got away with it, wasn't it? Was that you need? So you need to you need a, a guilty verdict essentially in the House of Representatives, which the Democrats now do not control. But all the indications say that they, they will, will win. Yeah, yeah. They will regain um, control of in November, and then you need to win a two-thirds majority, supermajority, yeah. a supermajority in the Senate, and that is. Clinton was impeached by the House of Representatives, found not guilty in the Senate. Yeah. 
and you know, you didn't he give an? Didn't he give? Um, didn't he give an interview when he probably shouldn't have? Isn't, hasn't Trump learned from Clinton's mistake on that one? Well, he's Trump has now gave this interview uh, yesterday. Where no, but he, I mean, he, oh. the interview with um, Mueller. Oh right, yes, he has. Yes, it's, yeah. he, he will well, never he, ever sit down, will he? Because well, I he's trying not to. Sat yeah. down with the investigator. Yeah. Um, my American politics of that era is not great. Yes. So maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Yes, but of course, every time he gets, he opens his mouth, he gets himself into more trouble. And like this interview that he gave yesterday, where he basically said, "Yeah, I, it was I paid that money. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't the campaign's money. I paid yeah. it." And then this is what happens to liars, isn't it? They get cooked. They have to tell and he said, more lies. He said, I, he said, I paid it, and but he, the the president has to make a federal financial disclosure, or mm. he had to make a federal financial disclosure in 2017, and he didn't put this on it. So if he paid, it's a, and that's a federal crime, you know. And again, he would be arrested for that if he wasn't the president of the United States. He would. He would. You're quite right. He would be arrested. The, I mean, the good news is that this is a... The good news, if you don't like Donald Trump, which I think most listeners to this podcast won't like, is that he's had a terrible day. He's made a fool of himself and implicated himself in a subsequent interview. He is... Donald Trump and his people are in retreat. Yeah. The midterm elections are not very far away. They're on November the 6th. Even if one of the bits of the Congress... And it looks like the House of Representatives. Even if one of those goes to the Democrats, falls to the Democrats, then the rest of this term of Donald Trump will be fought, will be will be spent fighting impeachment, yeah. trying to get his uh, his uh, Supreme Court nominee through. Yeah. It will be a complete It'll lame be, duck. Yeah, no policy. Uh, and uh, and he will be he will be neutralised, and and it will be a wonderful thing to see. Well, I tell you what, I will miss about Trump if he was to hair. Go no, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I, yeah. I, I've got a weird. Have fan, you? Yeah, fancy a yen. Yeah, don't know. Oh, Sarah, come on the pod. I'll take you out for dinner. She's lovely. She's clearly mad. Do you think she's mad, or do you think she's a bit evil? Yeah, maybe. But I like her. Yeah, you like yeah, that. I take you? her on a date. Yeah. Okay. Um, she insisted seven times that Mr. Trump had done nothing wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not gonna go away. I like the way her face sort of. It's like she. I, I did a face then. It's not gonna work for you. Is it? She's got a very immobile face, hasn't she? That's what I look for in a woman. <laughs> is it an emo <laughs> and a, and and a you know a stream of denials? My my Tinder refusal to play says, ball. <laughs> yeah, I want you to deny me. Yeah. <laughs> and have an immobile face. Great, okay. Yeah, is that on that's on the Tinder, is it? Yeah. It is, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So if you are a woman with an immobile <laughs> face, uh, get in touch uh, with us. Get in touch at yeah. the New European. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna be speaking to Best for Britain's Gary Marshall next. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to the New European. Order by telephone by calling 01858. 438840 or order online at our website uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to the New European. Welcome back. I'm joined by Gary Marshall. Gary, welcome. Thank you. Gary is a spokesman for Best for Britain, uh, which is an anti-Brexit campaign group, I guess. Maybe you can tell us a bit more about it. Uh, yes, my pleasure. Um, Best for Britain is a group of campaigners and citizens from across the UK uh-huh. um, who oppose Brexit. Um, 
from late 2017. It started before then, but it became more um, critical uh, in terms of what it was doing from late 2017. Best of Britain's singular campaign goal has been to stop Brexit and keep the UK in the EU Mm. um, by playing the leadership role in the EU where we should be um, as a country. Our roadmap is to achieve this by defeating the government's Brexit deal deal in Parliament later this year and then securing a people's vote on the government's terms uh, versus staying in the EU itself. So I'll just jump in there because uh, the people's vote is something that the listeners and certainly us here at the European are are very interested in now because there seems to be a real momentum building behind it, doesn't there? We've got lots of people coming out and saying it's it's actually the most democratic thing to happen. Is that something that you guys would agree with? The second vote being the most democratic. I I really do think it's the most democratic thing, uh, contraposed to what uh, Remainers are saying, where they're saying it is the least democratic thing that can happen. And that contrast is important. It's a matter of, well, if you're not afraid of democracy, then let it happen. And that's the way I see it, and that's the way I think many, many people see it, and an an increasing number at the current time. Um, In that sense, um, at the moment, there's been a major swing, uh, particularly since um, the Chequers deal was put to Brussels. Uh, And there's been a major uh, swing, and there is a good statistic supporting that towards um, a Remain vote. Yeah. Uh, and in effect to the people's vote uh, for that to happen. But of course, you know, before um, before the referendum, Jacob Rees-Mogg was in the House saying, well, there could be a vote at the end, you know, there could be this, there could be that. It's, it's huge hypocrisy on part of lots of Brexiteers that now all of a sudden know you lost hard luck. Well, it's quite interesting that's being said because also today it came out... Um, at uh, lunchtime with the advice papers uh, being published by the government, uh, that now, um, whereas the Labour Party up until now have been really in some ways either sitting on the fence or actually stating, uh, no, we are uh, with the um, general consensus in the country in terms of uh, leaving Europe. They're now saying, and by the way, they're saying we have said this all along, which they haven't. They're now saying that we we have actually um, looked at, kept all options on the table, and one of those options is for a second vote. I mean, I'm a great believer as I would have to be by uh, being a member of this uh, Best for Britain campaign for this second vote. And it's nice to see now that one of the parties is coming forward. And with that momentum, uh, may it grow to help the rest of the country see sense in terms of uh, achieving that vote. But what, do, I mean, obviously we need to come into the government and um, how can people go about doing that? What do they, do they need to take to social media? Do we need to take to the streets? Do we need to do all those things? Well, the way the campaign's been working so far uh, has been quite interesting. It's been looking at um, increasing uh, the vote at um, ground level. Yeah, uh, We've been going out into uh, the regions of the country. Uh, there have been uh, groups of people who have held meetings there. Uh, but one of the main ways of getting this major shift of opinion, uh, which is growing, I'll give you some statistics to support it in a moment, has been... Um, by uh, members, uh, by constituents all throughout the country talking to their members of parliament. They've yeah. been writing to their yeah. members of parliament. They've been emailing. They've been lobbying. Uh, and one of the very useful ways is just to badger your um, local MP, whatever his personal agenda might be, 
at his surgery. Mm. Because mm. if you can get into that surgery, and, quite, and frankly, you've got a right to attend that surgery, yeah. and you've got a right to attend as many times as you want, yeah. he has to listen to you. Yeah, yeah. He might give you short shrift, but he has to listen the to you. The other thing, of course, is that um, there's, a, there's a heck of a lot of Remain MPs out there who need to feel empowered and emboldened, and the best way to do that is for them to see a shift in their constituents' minds. Well, that, that, that's um, very true, and that's also happening, and that can be helped along by producing independent statistics which is being put forward to them. Uh, there's um, YouGov recently produced a, camp- um, a um, poll, yeah. and that was analysed deeply by... Um, Best for Britain in conjunction with um, Hope Not Hate. Mm-hmm. And it's a very sophisticated poll um, with very uh, strict methodology. Uh, and what that's already shown, even in this region, mm-hmm. uh, in places like uh, North Norfolk, mm-hmm. there has been a swing in a very limited period. And that limited period is immediately before and immediately after um, the Chequers proposal. Right. And that swing is already at 7.6% uh, in favour of um, the people's vote, right. of, of, in effect, to remain. The same percentage, coincidentally, also applied to Great Yarmouth. Mm. Now, these were figures uh, round about um, August time, I think. I'm not absolutely sure on that. Yeah. Uh, but it followed the Chequers vote. Uh, and with that kind of... Uh, independent uh, methodical um, statistic which is coming through, that should give uh, a lot of parliamentarians, coupled with hearing more and more people like Bestford Britain, like other similar groups coming forward, uh, the ability to stand in Parliament with their peers and against their peers and demand this vote. We are running out of time and this needs to be acted on quickly. Yeah, yeah. If there, were, if, we, if there was another vote, I'll tell you, if you asked me six weeks ago if there was going to be another vote, I would have said probably not. I, I, I'm sort of thinking 50-50 now, I really am. But if there was, um, that that doesn't necessarily mean that Remain would win, of course. I know I've spoken to leavers who want a people's vote because they want to double underline the fact that we, you know, well, we're leaving. That's, um, that's a good point. And if this is done properly this time, it will be democracy working properly. Mm. And I don't think anybody, uh, unless there is some misgiving about the vote, which is highly unlikely, I don't think anybody could stand up and then demand another vote afterwards, irrespective of which way it went. And the reason why this vote is so different is, let's go back to the first referendum, and also combine with that Theresa May's comment immediately after. Mm -hmm. As we all know, the vote went towards Brexit. Mm -hmm. However, Immediately afterwards, uh, Theresa May, when asked what Brexit meant, said Brexit meant Brexit. It's become one of the national cliches these days. You know, if anyone wants to understand what Brexit means, you just say it means Brexit. (laughs) It means nothing. She knew it meant nothing. And she still knows it means nothing because she still doesn't know and her government doesn't know what it means because no one can possibly know until either a deal's done or there's no deal. Uh, at least we know at that point uh, what mess we... What indeed Brexit means. What Brexit means, (laughs) yes. Do you think that now, in the more than two years since since the vote, we've had the national conversation about this that we we actually deserved in that, you know, fevered few months before the vote when we had, you know, wallies on buses? I don't think we had a proper national conversation yet. Uh, you had, as you rightly pointed out, the, um, the uh, 
uh, sloganised buses going around with the £350 million a week extra going into healthcare. And the figures already show that there's going to be a major reduction in healthcare mm. post-Brexit. But uh, that, that to one side, to look at the reality of it, no one, but no one I've heard, and I've been following this campaign right from the beginning, uh, I'm an avid uh, believer in facts. Uh, my background is I'm a lawyer, and facts to me are everything. Uh, it's the evidence. It actually is the proof of something. Yeah. And no proofs come forward uh, yet in terms of uh, what the deal is, whether or not it will be a good deal or bad deal, because no one can say that. We haven't had it. How do you answer the, um, the accusation that you know, by going back and overturning it through a people's vote, we would be going against the will of the people? Um, you know, even by calling another vote would be going against the will of the people. How but, but the people in any democracy have a right to change their mind, and that is a democratic right. Um, it's, and in my view, there was not a proper democratic vote uh, back in uh, at the time of the first referendum, in the sense that, and I need to uh, qualify this before many people jump on my uh, back here. You're among friends. I'm among friends, I'm sure. <laughs> but it's, um, it, it was not a proper uh, democratic vote. You know, nobody really knew what they were voting for. 17 million people voted, and there were 17 million perceptions of what the vote was about. And even then, there are soft sides on both sides of the vote, and it was only two-thirds of the population who had the right to vote who actually voted. There's still mm. one-third, which is still out there, and we need them to actually start considering what their future really means. And yeah. not just the individual uh, adult uh, at the moment, but for their children and their children's children. Because this isn't going to hit us just for a generation. This is going to hit us for many generations to come. Yeah. Uh, I was writing a piece earlier on about mm. what a liberal elite is. Now, I guess we could both be classed as liberal metropolitan elites um, in a certain way. So, and, and that will be a label certainly flung at um, Best for Britain and, and campaign groups like it. What are you guys doing to get into those often traditional Labour voting areas, North East, um, parts of Yorkshire, Lancashire, that maybe surprised us by being Labour areas but still voting quite heavily for Brexit. And do you think, and you should never ask two questions at once, but I'm going to no. do it, I think you can cope with it. Um, do you think that some of the blame has to lie on a class of liberal elite politicians that came out of um, probably, you know, Blair, Blairism um, and kind of not ignored that group of people, but kind of said, don't worry about it, we're doing what's best for you, you don't need to worry? You see, I'll answer this. Second question first, yeah. because I think that's more pertinent and will have uh, it will register more in terms of my answer, I hope. And that is that um, the problem has been, and I've spoken to many people throughout the country, young and old, in the north, in Sunderland, locally in our region, mm -hmm. in London and elsewhere. Uh, and the general consensus has been, except for the liberal amongst the liberal elite, yeah. uh, that. The country has not operated fairly across the board. Mm. And that's the problem. There seems, even if it's in some cases not uh, a reality, it's simply a misconceived perception of what reality is. Yeah. People in different parts of the country, particularly up north, as you say, have always had this concept of a north-south divide, even if it hasn't existed in places. Mm. Uh, and I think that still persists. 
on the perception side, but there is a real side as well. And then on that real side, people are genuinely not looked after as well in some parts of the country as in others. Uh, and if this vote is going to have any meaning if we have this second vote and this will change society dramatically for many years to come too because mm -hmm. of the different uh, attitudes that people then will then have to the government to each other and so on then we have to make sure the government of the day has to make sure that it's all more encompassing brings in people into the fold it becomes a more even more democratic country and that democracy that change in what democracy starts with this vote yeah yeah my fear again is that we send off the likes of david cameron to sunderland you mentioned or wherever and and you know the, the, it seemed to me that the eu and being in the eu did a lot of good for a lot of, a lot of communities that were down at heel you know 40 years ago um I don't think we did enough for a long time to promote the good. That it, I think we just let, you know, certain elements of the media and certain politicians just sort of pollute the debate because no one really believed that we would ever Brexit. Well, one of the interesting things about that is, and let's just, if you don't mind, if I just steer away Absolutely. from the politicians yeah, for a yeah. moment and steer more into what is more crucial to these regions in terms of creating fairness. And fairness always follows a good economy. Mm-hmm. Because if you've got a stable economy, then you can expand upon that into social and political fairness. It's the way all cultures have uh, evolved. And back in the days, dare I say it, of Margaret Thatcher, she was the lady who brought in to the North major investment from Japan. She was able to bring them in on the basis of... And this was bringing in investment into a very deprived region. Many people, and maybe they're right, are, would say that Margaret Thatcher caused many of those regions to be deprived at the same time. I'm not looking at that today. That's another argument. What I'm looking at is some of the change that took place uh, following her policies of bringing in foreign direct investment into the manufacturing industry, particularly into the motor industry in these areas. Yeah. And... Japan invested in this country on the basis of representations made that they knew we had a good workforce, they knew that it could be uh, trained to their way of doing things because they were an intelligent workforce, uh, they knew that um, all the infrastructure was there that was necessary uh, to work, uh, to, to, to satisfy their needs, the English language, the position where we are in terms of our time zone in, uh, in the world and so on, but more importantly... Europe mm. and the, not just Europe but the European Union with its single market and more importantly not just that single market which is important for uh, just having um, regulations of the same standard mm -hmm. across the European community but more but uh, above that um, the customs union yeah. and that customs union opened the door because they knew they could manufacture a vehicle here it would then be shipped into Germany France Spain you name it anywhere in the expanding EU once upon a time, possibly expanding <laughs> EU, and um, there would be no extra duty to pay. There would be no duty to pay, and that worked both ways, of course. Uh, if we come out of the EU and we're subject to uh, the WTO rules, um, I think the figure is ten percent on motor vehicles. Uh, others would then say, "Ah, yes, but that's been compensated for by the uh, change in the exchange rate." But that's not relevant. 
That really isn't, because that's going to fluctuate and change as time mm -hmm. goes by and so on. That is too much of a variant. What we're looking at is a constant. We're looking at certainty. Business needs certainty. And that's what the EU provides to business. Do you mind if I just elaborate a bit further in terms of other business areas here? Because it is quite crucial. This country is world famous for its um, services industry. In fact, service industry in the UK makes up 80% of our industry. The rest is uh, part of agriculture and the manufacturing industry. So with that in mind... There hasn't been enough mentioned about the service industry in, in before the referendum itself and even now. And that mm. service industry is crucial. As a consequence of Brexit, we are already losing our prime role. We are the world leader in international banking. We are the world leader with America in the insurance markets. France and Germany want those areas. They want to take them from us. They've always been jealous of those areas. And... Whereas whilst we're in the EU, we have sat on the top table whereby we have dictated, not Europe to us, we have dictated the rules and regulations to Europe, which has generated for us a fortune. Yeah. They've stimulated in these service areas our economy more than it could have ever been stimulated. If we come out of Europe, if we come out of the EU, we will have no control over those regulations which will then be imposed upon us if we, in fact, um, tr uh, deal, uh, export our services to Europe. It's even more difficult than that. I won't go into for another conversation if I'm invited back. There are many issues about that I could talk about. But it will destroy our economies for a simple reason. We will lose many major deals. We are losing banks already. Uh, the central European work for banks will be done in Europe rather than in England, which is where it's done at the moment. We will lose major insurance work. That is being done from Lloyds of London and the British insurance markets. Yeah. That is moving to Europe. The problem there is this. That means a loss of revenue to the exchequer. That will also mean major unemployment of tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people, not just in London, but spreading throughout the whole country. And that in itself leads to an additional loss of revenue for the exchequer. So whatever money that we may, may no longer have to pay to the EU in terms of yearly contributions is going to be a minuscule sum compared to what the exchequer is going to lose. And what that means is at the end of the day, there will be no... Uh, increases in pensions, possibly. Uh, those people who were the ardent voters to leave uh, will, in fact, find their pensions either remain static for many years to come or reduce. Mm. And then you have um, um, uh, the um, NHS will no longer receive the money it's receiving, which has been promised to it, without increases in taxes. Absolutely. OK, two final questions. Yes. What is, in your opinion, the likelihood of... I, mean, I said I was maybe 50-50. What do you think? How, how likely is it? I'm 60-40 in yeah. favour. Yeah. And, and that's me personally rather than... And uh, is that increasing? Are you getting more confident? I'm becoming more confident. Um, at the time of the Chequers vote... Um, sorry, proposal... Uh, I personally, I can't say other people in the organisation are, but I personally thought mm, maybe 50-50. I was fluctuating nervously at times uh, below that. Mm -hmm. But now I feel there's a, a, a good 60 to 40. There's a lot of swing. You just look at, sorry, just to elaborate on that, if you go to um, other parts of the country, um, the swing's already around 12-13%. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it, it just feel like that. Just anecdotally, it feels like this yes. that people are thinking. It's, a good it's idea. just a matter of getting the politicians, your MPs, who you have to work on, because they're the people who have got the power to do this. Yeah. And we've only, but we as a nation have got the power to get our MPs to represent us. Yeah. They're the ones we need to get to get bring that vote in. Yeah. And finally, Gary, what can people do if they want to get involved with uh, with Best for Britain? Um, there's a website, um, contact Best for Britain. Just uh, Google it, yeah. it will come up. Uh, I like to come out with the web address off the top of my head, but quite frankly, I can't. <laughs> um, then uh, once you've done that, you'll see that there are a number of campaigns you can sign up to. Um, there are, And you can uh, volunteer in many ways to help you can, from uh, a simple donation. Uh, right through to taking an active part like I have. I, beca- I, I uh, contacted them. I made it clear I wanted to help. I, I went a bit further, I'm, uh, partly because I'm a bit pushy. I went down to London. I met the people who um, operate Best for Britain, and I said, I want to do something, please. And they came back and asked me to be spokesman for Norfolk. Yeah, and now here you are on uh, this fine pod. I, well, here I am, and, uh, and thank you very much for the invitation. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I'm sure we'll have you back. Um, let's see Let's see where we are in a few weeks, see if we get to 70-30, or, or maybe even it's actually going to happen, and then we'll, we'll have a party on the pod. Well, we know more of that um, if everything goes as it should go in terms of uh, Theresa May coming back to Parliament with a proposal. Yeah, yeah. Because nothing's going to happen in terms of that big major swing until we know what the proposal is. And that's when the real conversation will take place. Absolutely. Because it can't take place, going back to that reference to you made a proposal earlier, until we know what it is we're talking about. Quite. Gary, thank you very much. It's Brexiteer of the Week next. Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back, Steve. It's time to crown a Brexiteer of the Week. Uh, quite a few of them to get through this week. Should we start with Victoria Newton? Yes. She is the editor of The Sun on Sunday. She is. Sun on Sunday commissioned a big, uh, controversial big poll from Delta Poll um, uh-huh. at the uh, at the weekend. It appeared last Sunday, obviously, as it would do. Um, one of the uh, killer findings in this was they asked, do you agree with the statement, Brexit is an historic mistake and only now people are re- realising this? And 44% of respondents agreed and 30% wow. disagreed. Wow. Pretty big news. Yeah. Where so did Victoria Newton and, and David Wooding, who wrote the story, put Well, you this? could, I mean, you'd go to a conference saying, you know, with the, wind, with the wind behind it. Could be on the front, that. Panel on the front, possibly. It, was, it, it appeared in the 23rd paragraph of a 29-paragraph story. Blimey. Um, so good. Well, they missed well, a line there, haven't they? Well done on that. You can read more about that in the print edition of the New European and also... Um, online, do you like the the beat generation? I do I can actually. See with your bongos and your beret there. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind a bit of that. Yeah, bit of a uh, bit of naked lunch. I saw a naked. I had naked lunch earlier on in the <laughs> I canteen. Know, well, it was lovely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ne- oh, it's fine. But next time, maybe take it home. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, um, I saw a headline last week. It said Nigel Farage to go on the road <laughs> with Leave Group, and I thought, oh blimey, that's Farage. Imagine him, Moriarty. Yeah, Dean Moriarty and yeah. Farage. Yeah. And I just thought, what could Jack Kerouac, who was a big drinker with a foreign-sounding surname, <laughs> and he spent all of his time in the company of outsiders, lunatics and tramps, possibly have in common with Nigel Farage? No, nah, you're right, nothing. Nothing. Anyway, he said uh, he's back, isn't he? And he gave a, he's going on this tour on the road with Leave Means Leave, and he said at the end of his piece of the Daily Telegraph, the last two words of it were, I'm back. Yeah. And from where? <laughs> where from where are you back? 
You're right. He's doing five shows a week on LBC at the moment. He's doing a weekly column in the Telegraph. The other morning he was on Good Morning Britain getting a kick in off Kate Garraway. Yeah. Kate Garraway, I mean, you know, fair play to Kate Garraway, but it is, you know, it's not exactly Frost, Frost Nixon, is it? It's not. But it's she's Garraway had one, Farage. She's had one of the films. That's going to make a great book and film. It, it will, yeah, yeah. She's, Michael Sheen will be Kate Garraway. <laughs> yeah. She's had one of the country's most prominent fringes. She has, a, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, she has. She's been around for a while. She's uh, married to Derek Draper. She's married to Dolly Draper, isn't yeah, she? That's yeah. right, yeah. And he's and he's always on Sky News, isn't he? So the idea that he's been somewhere and now I'm back. I, in fact, the only place that he hasn't really been, of course, is the EU Parliament, where we pay right. him to be. Didn't go there. Uh, where his record of taking part in votes makes him 748 out of 751 <laughs> MEPs. Wow, well done. Bloody foreigners, isn't it? Can we talk about Gisela Stewart now? Yeah. Uh, she's very angry, Ooh. Gisela Stewart. I think I can imagine why. Uh, if you don't know who Gisela Stewart is, she was a Labour MP. She stood down at the last election, yeah. and she was the chair of Vote Leave. Yeah. Um, and last week she tweeted, only 2,900 students took A-level in German this year, a shocking decline of foreign language skills. And I'm just wondering why... Why Students are less keen on learning German now. When oh yeah, because it is it partly because that Gisela Stewart successfully campaigned for them to lose their automatic rights to study and live and work in Germany. Might be something that has to, that. to do with it. <clears throat> and she should really know better because she is indeed German. She's Jim, she's yeah. German. Yeah. She should know better. Yeah. Um, Aaron Banks. His mate Farage is going on the bus, isn't he? He's going on the road. I bet, you, I bet they want Aaron Banks to pay for the petrol, don't they? Um, so he's off, Farage is off, and but Aaron Banks is threatening to form a, an, even a new political an movement. An even newer new movement. Yeah, yeah, I've got a new... Nigel's off, but I'm going to form a new, new yeah. movement. Do you know what he's calling it? Uh, Banks' hard boys. He's tweeted out... Coming soon, yeah. join the blue wave. The blue wave. Now, that the blue wave immediately made me think of Mrs. Slocum. <laughs> and the old blue, with the old blue wave in the in the white hair with the blue wave in did it. Did anyone ever find her pussy? And I'm not sure they did. No, but um, yeah, it used to. If she didn't get home by six o'clock, it used to go wild, didn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, I looked at where else the blue wave might have cropped up before, and it, I'm afraid to say that it has been taken oh. already. Uh, a there is research, a brand of cleaning fluid for body piercings called oh. Blue Wave. You got any body piercings? Uh, I've cleaned them with Blue Wave regularly, oh. and also it is Blue Wave is the name of a range of toilet chairs for geriatrics. So good research by Aaron right. Banks. Blue there. Wave, vote Blue Wave. Steve Baker. 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 Baker boy. Steve Baker, oh, Stephen Baker, he, Steve Baker, the fabulous Baker boy. Yeah, he had a, a scare with he a skydive, did. didn't he? He did. Yeah, he went yeah. skydiving in Portugal. His main parachute failed to open. Yeah. It was reported as a horrific thing. He actually went on Twitter and went, it "Actually, guys, it was yeah. fine." This this kind of thing does happen quite often. And my second parachute just—he's um, quite an experienced skydiver. He is an experienced skydiver. It'd have been his first go. Yeah, Maybe you would have. Well, I think in any circumstance, you'd be worried, wouldn't you? Yeah, if you if you jump out of an aeroplane, your parachute wouldn't work. Yeah, it's a, but, it's a problem. But when your second parachute opens seconds later, you've got anyway. to try and find a mattress in a garden, haven't you? Well, you have. Or did you see the the there was a, a this is a great video of a look for this on YouTube for that net. The guy in the net. 
Madness. He skydived out of an aeroplane with some other people, didn't yeah, he, yeah. who had parachutes. They sort of guided him in and slowed him down a bit, and then he, they, they all opened their parachutes and he landed and he boinged out of a big rubber net. Amazing. Anyway, Steve Baker, before this happened, um, it was revealed that he has got... Steve Baker, by the way, is a hard Brexiteer, isn't Very he? Hard. Former, he, Hardest of hard. He, he resigned with David Davis over yeah. Chequers. He was a minister in, in the Department of Brexit in the, the European Union. And it was revealed by Business Insider that he had bought £70,000 in shares in a company which advises the public to avoid the worst impact of a no-deal Brexit by buying gold. And... Um, he, he, Steve Baker, two days after quitting the government, he turned up at the launch of this company, Glint Pay, and he tweeted five messages from the event. He said Glint Pay was a fairer form of money. A fairer form of money than, <laughs> than cash. That's much fairer. And then he said it would change how we use money forever. Yeah. And I, it's, I just think of it as a handy reserve parachute for rich people yeah. who want to avoid exactly the, the worst excesses of yeah. a no deal Brexit. Yeah. But number one. Yes. Brexiteer of the week, Frederick Forsyth. Frederick Forsyth. Now. He's an author. He's an author. Best-selling author. Yeah. He writes for the Daily Express. Does he? That should oh, give he does, you, yes, a, he's got, he's got should give you a, a little hint yeah. as to his political views. Yeah, yeah. I, I was reading the Daily Telegraph. Right, Diana page. and the weather. Yeah, he does, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he likes, uh, uh, and I was reading the Daily Telegraph. He writes quite often to the Daily Telegraph letters page. Uh-huh. Um, and um, I was reading this the other day, and I'd had to read this twice because it's a. Do, is this Frederick Forsyth the best selling author uh, of The Devil's Alternative uh, and other things? Is he suggesting that MPs, councillors, civil servants, teachers, police, health workers should all lose their jobs if they oppose Brexit in public? And so. Let me let me read you what he said, and then you can decide. He claimed that the referendum was uh, should be treated like a general election because it covered the whole country, and it wasn't by it was basically a general election. And he said, "So by what right do many thousands on the public payroll seek to overturn the result of a British general election because they don't like it? Mm. Should they retain their offices and their salaries? Mm. If so, why?" Their oaths of office were to uphold our constitution, not to subvert it. Right. So, a number of questions. Since when did MPs and councillors have to agree with everything that the government says? I think, it's, it's, I think his form of democracy is a bit... What are the oaths of office that nurses and civil servants take? And is this all a stunt to promote Frederick Forsyth's new novel, which I believe is called The Day of the Jackass? <laughs> so Frederick Forsyth is the Brexiteer of the week. Congratulations, Frederick. Um, we're going to read out all these names. All these names. We're going to do them all. Okay. okay. All the ones on this sheet of paper. Yeah, great. So this is like three weeks worth of people who have subscribed to uh, to, to help the new European on, on so SteadyHQ.com. So SteadyHQ.com. You can go and become a patron. Yeah. There's different levels of patronage. Yeah. Um, and these people have chosen to have their names read out on this mighty podcast. Thank you to all of you, uh, you guys. You are helping I'm do us. It quick, and if I get the pronunciation wrong, yeah, I'm sorry. Get in touch, and I'll we'll write pronounce a poem. it right next time. Yeah, I'll get me and Chloe oh, Westfield we'll write a poem together. Yeah, yeah, and we'll read out a poem. <laughs> okay, Hammer's Sebastian, <laughs> Sebastian Esser, Gabriel Yoren, Dave Joyce, Janet Rutter, Ian Johnson, Philippe Bauman. Ronnie McKenty. 
Well done. Douglas White, William Dale, Alan Bally. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, Ian Waters, Karen Cruikshank, Will Goble. Will Goble. Uh, this is a brilliant name. Yeah, go on. Sampo Kosonen. Yeah. Nicholas, Nicholas Kerr. Kerr. Adrian Norris. Anna Parsley. Helena Binder. Marlene Gray. Joe Ramsey. Catherine Martineau. Claire Palmer. Robin Meltzer. We're nearly there, guys. Oliver Stutter. Eric Beston. Chris Kenny. Glyn Martin. Enrique Manuel Boo. Greg Kane. Hugo Stolkin. Sheila Sadler. Fiona Urquhart. Ray French. Piers Haggard. Uh, that's a good name, isn't it? Piers Haggard. Good. It is, isn't it? There's some good names there. Uh, Helen Fisher, Jamie McMillan, Gavin Budge. That's good. Gavin Budge. It is. Brilliant. Gavin Budge, yeah. He's never heard that before. And Schofield, Fee, uh, Flora Smith, Kenneth Osborne, Peter Davis, and David Bone. David Bone. You guys make the paper happen and you make the podcast happen and you make sure that we can carry on um, doing the great journalism that we and our um, contributors do because it doesn't come cheap so really from the bottom of our hearts thank you so so much if you're interested in learning more about that go to steadyhq.com if you wouldn't mind as well what should they also do for us what can they also do for us right now give us a lovely review with many stars on your pod catcher of choice you can follow the new european at the new european on twitter you can join our facebook group of new european readers and you can like us on twitter and uh, sorry you can like us uh, on facebook and if you really want to uh, and you want low quality jokes about uh, brexit delivered on a more regular basis than just once a week you can follow me on twitter at uh, sanglesey s-a-n-g-l-e-s-e-y or you can follow me I don't really do jokes on Twitter. No. I sort of tweet, tweet pictures of myself dancing. Yeah, yeah. Just tweet, tweeted a picture of yourself with a steak the other day. Yeah, I did yesterday. Yeah, yeah. A sort of steak that will be unavailable after Brexit. <laughs> yeah. I don't do food pictures. It's not Instagram. No. But um, but I had a very nice steak, so there was a picture of me eating it. At Porrit, P-O-R-R-I-T-T. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It means the absolute world to us that you continue to tune in in your thousands. Thank you so much. Paper is on sale now. It's £2.50. It's got all the usual brilliance and some unusual brilliance as well. Uh, go and find it at a newsagent. We will be back next week. Until then, Mr Campbell, take to those bagpipes of yours. Here you Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.